Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. All right, everyone, we are live for another podcast. Exciting stuff. We have Barstool Nate, Eric Nathan in the building. How's it going, my friend? Uh, Well, you got me out of bed before noon for the first time since uh, we got locked in our houses. So, so, you know, I'm uh, I'm wiping the sleep out of my eyes, but it's good. Man, sorry about Yeah, we could we could have pushed it back a bit, but it's good. In life, it's like the time blends together. It's sort of like being in a Vegas casino, right? There's no... You don't really care what time it is, you know. What it's like, you just kind of do your thing. So, what's been what's been going on? Where are you, and uh, how has this impacted what you do? Because obviously, barstool sports, you're like the one of the faces of it. You've been around for so long, and, and sports is your world. Like, what what's happening? I mean, there's no sports. Yeah, uh, it's it's been unfortunate, but uh, we're we're making do. The the good thing about barstool is we've kind of become more of a personality driven site. Uh, than just like a sports focused site. It's not like we're breaking down the X's and O's of a basketball game. So in that regard, it's been okay. Just like kind of venturing, trying new things. Everybody's just like, you know, now's the time that anybody can be as creative as they want because there are really no rules in quarantine. You can just right. literally do anything and just throw anything at the wall and see what sticks. So it's been good for like creative juices and for people especially newer people who are trying to find their niche just to f- figure stuff out and just see what works and don't works. And that's yeah. what's so good about working at Barstool is we have all the creative freedom in the world. So literally like anything you want to try, as long as you're going to put the work into it, you're allowed to try. So we're, we're doing well uh, in that regard, just a lot of motivated people just doing whatever they can. Um, but not, yeah, not having sports sucks. Um, being locked in my apartment in New York sucks. But it's making different. do, doing the best, doing the best I can. You have your Cracking Aces podcast. You've had fifty plus episodes. We've done one, which I really enjoyed. What what you do? You do yours on audio recorded, or you do it and then you put them out. What what which different platforms do you put it out on? And how did you get started in podcasting? Uh, uh, well, okay. So what, what just happened? So we, we were talking, then your internet shit out and now we're, ba- so we're live again. We're, we're live. We're in the okay, matrix, cool. bro. We're back in, we're, we're tapped in. We're here. So let's, let's pick up, let's pick up where we left off. We were talking about, uh, sports quarantine and then. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, just, just to wrap that up. Yeah. So, uh, still working the best I can, you know, without sports pivoting to just trying other shit. And, yeah. uh, that's basically what the entire company's doing. Being stuck in my apartment kind of sucks. Like not being able to go out anywhere, not being able to yeah. go to bars or restaurants or anything like that. Uh, that's kind of the worst part. Besides that, I love working from home. Uh, it's nice and quiet. I can do whatever I want. I can take, I get like double as much done working from home as I do at the office. So yeah. that's kind of nice. Um, but you know, just, just, uh, and, and I've started playing online poker again on, uh, I don't want to plug them cause it's a, it's a, it's a not regulated shitty website that I don't trust at all. ACR. Okay. Uh, so I've started playing there and, uh, you know, that that's life now. But t- so yeah, sorry. I got sidetracked a bit by all this. Well, I want to talk about your podcast, Cracking Aces, here shortly because, yeah, very cool. You have over 50 episodes, but you, so you've shifted now. You're playing more online poker. How has that been? Were you just, were you not playing at all online poker or had you played some before? 
I since I moved to into New York City about two years ago, I haven't played any online poker. When I moved up here, uh, I moved to Jersey, New Jersey at first to play online. And I hated commuting because uh, I work in the city and I hated commuting from Jersey to New York. So I was like, fuck it. Uh, I'm not that good at poker anyway. So I might as well just move into the city. But, you know, I love playing online poker and I missed it. And I realized if I'm going to be stuck at home, I might as well figure out a way to play. So our boy, uh, Jeff Platt, who works over at Poker Go, he yeah. put up on his Instagram story that he won like a 55 dollar tournament for like 22k and i was like what in the world like are tournaments really that big on acr that's insane like that's like full tilt poker stars back in the day size tournaments and so he was like yeah it's nuts it's like seven hours of late reg unlimited re-entry fields get ginormous it's like shit i'm gonna lose a ton of money at doing this aren't i and so he uh transferred me some money and i've been i've been playing there uh for a few weeks now that's that's amazing. Yeah, no, it, it is crazy. I'll say this: like I've been playing poker, online poker, for I don't know, seventeen years, roughly. Like been in there, and it is, it does have that feel of a boom, right? It's got like that. There's an extra kick. The prize pools are juiced up. Everyone's at home, and all industries really are affected in general. But you know, online poker in particular is one that I think, if, if anything, it's a benefit for where people are at home. They have something they want to do something. People aren't sports betting, right? There's no sports to bet on. So it's like if you like action and you like to play, you know, maybe you had an account, maybe you bet on poker in the past or you've thought about trying it or you're just like not sure what to do and people are getting on there. So, I mean, I think the games, I can say the games have been pretty good. You know, the games have been pretty, pretty relatively softer and just more people getting back into it. So it's definitely, definitely a good time. What, what would you say if now that you're playing some online, do you like online more or live? Like, which is, which is kind of like your, your preference now? That uh, I've always loved online. You know, I, I, I'm a, I like sitting at home and being able to be just watching TV, playing a couple tables, just doing whatever I want. Uh, live poker. I hate live cash. I don't have the patience for live cash. I like tournaments so much more. I like knowing that there's money up top that you're competing for. I like having an end game to it. Um, I I like live tournaments for the, for the table dynamics. I love the meta game of table dynamics and being able to, you know, do what we talked to Kelly making about it on the show. It's like when you start, getting piles of chips and you're just imposing your will on the table and everybody's scared of you. It's one of the best feelings in the world. It's like, (laughs) I'm the boss here. Like this table revolves around me. It's one of the best feelings you can have. Yeah. You Um, go into a bubble or a final table bubble and you just know that you're just like, you can just blind shove and and put people at the, you're at at your mercy. And it's, it is, it's a, it's a, it's a different power. It's a different thing, right? It's just a whole yeah. different, you can't get, you can't recreate that in a cash game. Yeah. I, I probably play too aggressive, especially live just because uh, I, I enjoy the thrill of putting people to test. And I enjoy the thrill of running a big bluff in no equity spots online. Um, I don't know. I, I, the thing is like, I'm not a professional poker player. So, and I'm lucky in kind of that regard where thank God for now, knock on wood, I have an income coming in. So I can take it as seriously or as not seriously as I want. Like the other day I was playing like a $27 tournament and I did, I thought it was a turbo. It started at like 11 o'clock at night. And I was like, what in the hell is this? It's not a turbo at all. And so I was like, all right, well now, since it's not my real means of income, 
I can just like either run up a huge stack early on or go to bed. And I just, you know, kind of messed around, tried out a couple spots that otherwise that I wouldn't have done ended up busting. But I was like, all right, like that's what's so great about online right. is you can play a $27 tournament and do new things. Why where in a live tournament, you know, what's the cheapest you're getting in a live tournament for with a decent prize pool, uh, like, hundreds upon hundreds of dollars that right. I don't have that disposable income. Yeah. Uh, mess around. Mentioned you got to drive there. There's, you know, you're eating food there. Like it's, it, there is a lot of expenses associated with, with live or traveling poker and, and just even going to a casino, right? You got to eat that, you know, there's just, it's different. And, and also, like you said, you can experiment, you can play a 27, you can play a 10, a 50, a hundred, you could, online. There's so many options. Like you could literally play four to six tournaments uh, easily, like, to, you know, or more and from the comfort of your home and, and experience. So no, it's a, it's a different deal. Well, we got we got sidetracked a bit, got a little thrown off by the the cut there. Sorry about that. I want to I want to tell give us a tell us a little bit more about yourself. I want to hear about how you got into poker for sure. Super interested in how that's become so a big part of your life, and now you even have a podcast and with Jake, and you seem immersed in it and just so fascinated and, and a love for the game. Which poker's missing that that spark. You know, I think it's missing that personalities and people that love it, genuinely passion about it and sharing that, which I think you embody. Uh, so we'll, I want to hit on that. But tell us, like, give us a little bit about your upbringing and just sort of like how you what, where. Give us a little bit of background on you. Maybe some aren't sure. familiar with you. In poker. Yeah, so uh, I'm from Maryland. Um, you know, I went to the university of Maryland. I, I think I got into poker the same way most people did just, you know, moneymaker effect, all that stuff started playing at the dining room table with friends and family. Um, you know, I would, uh, deposit $11 every, or I guess I, that was, I would deposit $25 yep. every other day or so onto poker stars and play the $11, uh, 30 K or 40 K guaranteed nightly on poker stars way back in the day. Excuse me. What year, what year did you get in? What, how old are you? Uh, I was born in 88. So whenever I turned 18, oh, wow. I, you know, whatever okay. that year was, 2006. Okay. Yeah. So right. um, I, I was, I was bad though. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know, you know, what anything was. I just liked playing. It wasn't until much later that I found two plus two and started reading and learning about the most basic of things that I didn't even know about position and, uh, you know, stuff like that got a little better here and there. Um, flash forward, you know, poker gets shut down right after I graduate college. Cause I was planning on trying to actually like getting better and trying to play professionally in the United States after I graduate college, but that whole thing got thrown out the window. Right. So I ended up moving to New York city without a job, you know, a very smart decision. Got a job making $35,000 a year at an advertising agency. It was terrible. After about a year or so of that, uh, I knew from day one that I wasn't going to be doing that anymore. I think I only did it for like eight, nine months. And so eventually enough was enough. I hated it. I hated my life. I moved to Manchester, England with a friend that I met through poker to try to play poker professionally online over there. Did okay. Didn't get rich. Um, just that's a, that's a, that's, that's quite a move. I mean, that's, you know, I've been, to, I've been there to Manchester. That's, that's not, not close by. It's a fairly, fairly far away place. And, and sort you of definitely have to take an airplane. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's a, that's a hike. That's a commitment. So you, how long are you there? Uh, I was there on a visitor's visa, I think for six months or something like that. Eight months. Yeah. I can't remember. 
And did were, okay. you, were, you, were you a Man United fan? Were you going to games and like, were you doing the whole thing there? Just kind of just playing poker and whatever. Mostly playing poker. You know, we went to, we did the hooligan thing, but like nothing, nothing uh, extraordinary. Right. And while I was over there, it all comes together. I would try to make it quick though. While over there, um, I started writing my own blog in the like, same Barstool-esque blog, just doing it on the side of my own. When I got back to America, here I am, no job, uh, living at my parents' house. I'm in my childhood bedroom, and my, my parents think that I'm applying for jobs, but I'm really just writing this blog on the side and lying to them, saying that I'm applying for jobs. And then right. eventually one night, I've been doing it for you know a couple months at that point, I um, – I was just like sitting on like my, I, I can vividly remember and, and I have a shitty memory, but I vividly remember this. I'm like sitting on my childhood bedroom floor, like my twin bed behind me on my laptop. And I have like my bank of America tab opened on my laptop and it's small. It is not a lot of money. And I'm doing my own blog and I'm like, you know, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to send Dave who, who owns and runs Barstool an email. He's always saying that he's like looking for new employees or like new bloggers and this is back in the day when it's like literally just a blog. There's no podcast. Nobody's doing videos. Right. And so I compiled like 20 of my best blogs, sent, sent them to him like, hey, I'm from D.C. I know you're always looking for new people, uh, getting good feedback on my blog. Let me know what you think. And then he emailed me back and then he hired me the next day. Wow. And, and so, so you were writing a blog just sort of because you enjoyed it and you were that was like something and you were you, there was no you weren't getting paid for that. blog. No, 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 no. And then you and then you applied to Barstool, did you apply other places or was that like you, you knew about Barstool and you're just like, this makes sense. This isn't right. Region. Right. Right. I, I knew my personality and my humor matched up with what they were looking for. Right. The question was, will, am I good enough to get hired? And he deemed yes. And that was about seven and a half years ago. That's awesome. So he, re- so they reach out, they say, you got a job, then what? So now you're like, all right, I'm leaving Manchester. I come back here or to come no, back. No, so that was when I was at my parents' house. Uh, I just started the next day okay. for my parents. So you had been day. writing in Manchester as well. You were doing yeah, 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 yeah. And writing. So you had, you had established your blog. You had started, people were looking at you were getting feedback. You, you got into it, you got home, you're at your parents, you're lying about job, doing jobs, you're doing more blogging. And then you send an email and they f- hire you. So then what? Like you literally over how you, you sent it, they said, yeah, let's go. And then you were, that was it. You were just in the, in the, in the family. And yeah, I literally started the next day for my parents' uh, dining room table. And uh, so this is back before we had like HR or finance. We had nothing. It was, it was like such a bare bones operation. I didn't get paid for my first three weeks because I was too scared to like ask about, Hey, by the way, like, am I getting, <laughs> am I getting paid? And yeah, he goes, wait, I never sent you. He goes, I never sent you the paper. I was like, no, he goes, all right, well just fill this out and send it back. So it took three weeks for me to get the nerves up to ask if I could get paid. Man, that's funny. I've I've got a few people I've worked with uh, in the past too, or something like that too, where it's like, yeah, I, or you know, you, it's just like a, they're not thinking about it. Or same with me, or like, oh yeah, hey, how do we do this? Or you know, how does it work? So that, that's very interesting. And they pay you. That's great. So you have a job, and then they're they're actually they're they're paying for your services. And then, so you you literally, well, how big was Barstool? Give me an example, because like Barstool is something I've always seen. I've now I've no, noticed they have Barstool like the betting stuff, uh, the Instagram page, and it's obviously moving very quickly and expanding. But back mm-hmm. then, how many employees were there? Was there offices or was it literally like it was it just like a startup almost? It was basically a startup. When I got I got hired in October 2013 and I was the ninth full time employee 
we moved to New York. So we got a big investment from the churning group uh, in 2016, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And we moved to New York with 15 full-time employees. And as of right now, I think we have over 300 full-time employees. So we have rapidly expanded um, very quickly. It, it was just a very slow growth and just a freaking Zoom, a fucking takeoff. Um yeah, I was early though. I was, I was super, super early into the mix in October 2013. We all just worked from home. Like I worked down, I moved from uh, my parents' house to Arlington, Virginia in December of 2013. And that's where I actually consider home at this point, uh, Arlington, like outside of DC. Yeah. And um, we had a guy in Philly, we had a guy in Chicago couple guys in new york and the official office was up in boston where dave founded it and they worked out of an old dentist office like literally there's like sinks in every room because it was just an old dentist office and they would use the sinks as they would just put a piece of wood like over the sinks and use them as a desk and it was disgusting there's squirrels that were biting through the internet wires it was filthy it was gross and about absolute they really just wow that's 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 i've never heard squirrels to biting through internet stuff that sounds scary man that's like and that's where it was born right that's that that was it It, milton Milton, massachusetts just and that's what if you ever we always use the phrase milton tough because you had to be milton tough to work for barcel back in that you didn't know if you were getting paid the next week you didn't know if a squirrel was going to cut through the wi-fi like it was it was just so wild wild west there were yeah. no rules. Just it was it was a weird weird time. And uh, the what was uh, what, what do you think that what do you attribute to the success of Barstool like at a, at a, at its heart? Do you think is it Dave? Is it his belief? His work ethic? Is it is he is, is it just like him believing in people? And, and what is it? Because I see him everywhere. He seems like such an interesting, fun guy. You know, like an ambassador that just embodies and loves it. Like you know, saying yeah, I guess you he hired you right away he saw that how passionate enthusiastic you are for what you're doing and what's going on is that was that fair to say like yeah it's it's a mix of everything you just said he picked the right people like basically this is your life now like we we didn't (laughs) this is such a joke but it's 100 true we didn't have the capability to blog from our phones until literally three months ago like did not have the capability so there was a time for about three years where if you wanted to go out, you had to like tell somebody that you worked with, hey, are you home tonight? If something happens, can I call you? Because we were terrified if you missed a blog, if something happened in a in a game, like say like the Caps are playing on a Saturday night and you weren't home if Ovi scored a hat trick, your ass was like fucking in the jackpot. Like you were so scared that you were going to lose your job. So there are so many times back in the day that something would happen on a Friday or Saturday night where I would like, say it was like a December night. I would run outside with my phone and call. Usually it was Trent uh, and be like, Hey, can you blog this for me? Title it, this, write this, use this as the thumbnail. I'm like shivering outside in the freezing cold weather, trying to get a blog up because like we were terrified. Like, and that's what Dave pounded into every single person's brains was like, you work 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. There's no days off. It's work ethic. But like we all, but it takes such a special type of person to buy into that. And you just have to have this mentality that like, this is all going to pay off. Like we're a part of something. We knew we were part, like if you've been with Barstool from the beginning as a fan or even on the inside, like, you know, it's different. Like these people are passionate. The fans are passionate. 
like it's like this whole thing that works together perfectly but you just had and he just had to find the right people for it and he did a pretty good job finding the right people for it yeah getting getting it from the the beginning building it up right because now 300 employees he's probably less hands-on he doesn't know i mean i'm sure it's still a family but it's like he's not you know he's at the original he's the one screening reading everything making sure it's the right right people i mean that that's really it's really crazy i saw some valuation or something i in one of the decks i was looking at it's some you know it's it's a big number barstool sports value that now i mean 300 employees and it's uh, sort of one of the, the mediums of sports i mean when you when you think about sports outlets where would you i mean what you espn what other what at barstool i mean barstool's right in the conversation on the major sports outlets yeah uh i'd say for sure uh, we're, we're definitely no longer that redheaded stepchild like we're we're i don't want to say respected because i don't know if we're ever going to be technically respected but we're in the conversation we're at the table like right. they won't pass us the the gravy because they right. hate us but like we're at that table and we're just yeah. going to get the gravy ourselves like we don't need anybody we, you know like we don't need the rights to we don't need the broadcasting rights. We're going to do what our, we do, what we call like the electric chair, where we stream ourselves watching a big game just for the, our own reaction. Because, you know, I'm a diehard Capitals fan. So it's more profitable for the company to have a camera on me, life and death, living or dying with everything happening in a Capitals playoff game than right. for me to be actually at the game. There's right. no, you know, like personal, personal value being at the game. Yeah, it's incredible. But we, we have footage of, you know, uh, Dan, Big Cat, diehard Cubs fan, you know, watching the Cubs win the World Series. He wasn't at the game. He's living or dying with every pitch on camera. Right. And, you know, a ton of people watch that stuff. And so instead of having the rights to the games, we just do it our own way and, you know, it, it, it's that sort of grinding it out type of thing that, again, your question, what has made Barstool successful? It's the grind. It's finding innovative ways to. Yeah, it, it, it sounds like it's also about relating to the people, like what people want, what people are interested in. It's almost I guess in that example, I would attribute that to sort of like on Twitch for, uh, you know, people. They don't care if you're playing a $30, $20, $100 buy-in. They want to watch the streamer and their yeah. passion engagement and the, the love of the game. It's also more relatable, right? Someone watching a game at home versus like a guy, you know, you know, same thing on, on Twitch. Like if you're playing the 5K buy-ins or you're playing a $100 tournament, you know, it's not necessarily, it doesn't matter necessarily. Like just like if you're on the front row on the sidelines of the Super Bowl or you're watching it at home and it's a team to win, you want to see, you know, you, people don't necessarily care about the, the the extra like the the glitz the glamour like it's fun it's for that's some of that but it's like they want to relate and be passionate and, and live and die what it sounds like and you guys found that niche i want to say where did you where did it shift like at what point did it go to video audio kind of blogging to like video stuff because you seem to be very active in videos right you're doing you do a lot uh, of content. you do but you're a blogger that's your that's your core yeah, you do yeah. like wsop you know you're around you're filming stuff you got your stuff like was there a shift and do you see that shift in the industry or is it still a lot of, a lot of writing and blogging? So my, my main job is to blog the written word. Um, yeah. I do videos here and there. And if I, obviously I do the poker podcast now, but uh, the shift came, it, it was gradual. Uh, we have a guy, KFC, Kevin, and he's an original uh, Barcelona employee from New York. And he started a podcast way back in the day before yeah. podcasting was what it is now. And he was the only Barstool podcast for a long, long time. 
And what was so great about the old days of Barstool is we were allowed, this is so janky when like I say it out loud, we were allowed to sell our own ads. We could do really anything we wanted. Like if we wanted to have a watch party at a bar for a sporting event, we would set it up ourselves, make the deal with the bar, um, put up the ads ourselves on the blog to drive people to the bar. It was a very mom and pop thing where I, you know, I was Barstool DC. I ran it as if it was my own company. So Kevin in New York ran Barstool New York as his own brand, as his own company. And he started a podcast. He could sell ads on his own podcast, stuff like that. And his podcast was wildly successful, still is, but, uh, that shows like you said a lot of trust for them to associate the name and the brand and to kind of there were no rules we just had no rules there were there was (laughs) yeah (laughs) eventually uh other people started making their own podcast we moved to new york big cat starts pardon my take with pft and that's it, it immediately became one of the biggest podcasts in the world with the two of them also uh big cat obviously one of the hardest working human beings on the planet. Um, he has not taken a day off. I don't think since I've known him, it's actually bizarre how hard that guy works. And now, you know, a big cat, uh, damn cats. He, he's, he's a, he's a superstar. He does, you know, he's just a mega star at this point. Right. And he starts part of my take. And then, uh, just, we get more video capabilities being in New York. People were doing videos on their own, when we all work from home, but now then we all got to the same place in New York. We get, you know, designated camera people for the first time. We have video editors for the first time, all stuff we never thought about before we got to New York. Right. It's like, wow, we can actually hire people whose job is to edit videos. What a concept. Mm-hmm. So that all started picking up. Um, you know, we finally had designated podcast studios. We had, uh, just a little, it, we still like, honestly, we, we had a, an office and then for fifth, for the 15 of us, when we moved there, one floor, one small floor of a building. And when they moved us to this headquarters in New York, they thought we were going to use that floor for right. five years and we outgrew it in six months. So we then had to get another floor because we needed to hire business people, tech people, marketing, that whole thing. We had to become a real company. We outgrew that floor within another six months. So then they relocated us to another office in New York where they're like, all right, this is your office for the next five years. Not even joking. We moved to that office, I believe last May. So almost a year ago, we're out of desks. We just have no more space. <laughs> Damn. So it's cool. like the Jeffersons. You guys, you guys are just moving yeah. on up. You guys are just. I don't know what we're going to do because New York City, obviously, the rent for office buildings is so expensive. Right. So we have so many people to run this business, but nowhere to put them. <laughs> but right. it, it's so we can't move to our third office in two years. It, it's it, like yeah. there's just not sustainable money for that in New York City. Right. So yeah. I'm interested in seeing what we do. It, it's going to be fascinating. And, and is, uh, is that something like, how, t- tell me a little bit about the culture is, you know, I've been to, 
I've been to DraftKings offices. I've been to Twitch and some is, is it, is it like this feel like, give us a little insight on like what it's like at the office. Is it like you guys have a big, I mean, I, I picture like uh, a room, there's sports and arcade and stuff like a lunchroom. Like it's very interactive and, and like, uh, is it, is it, uh, is it something where you guys are taking, you know, is it on a daily basis? Give me a little bit of like what it's like in the office life there. Is it people in their own space? Is a lot of shared space? What is the bar stools culture like? It, it's very open. Like everybody has a desk, but it's, it's, it's not cubicles, you know, it's just rows of desks, but you have your right. own. It's loud. Um, there's a lot of, what's it called when you work together? Collaboration, yeah. a lot of collaboration going on. Um, everybody's always has their phone out. Cause you know, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, there's always people button heads in the office. There's always arguments rather personal or sports related. Everybody's always trying to make it. It's a, it's a content factory. It's, it's, there's a lot of pressure to always be making content. Now my job is to blog primarily. Mm -hmm. So I'm in a very loud environment where my, I need, basically I, I, I thrive in quiet. So it, it's the worst place I can be is the office. And I've always, I've often thought, why do I go in every day? It makes no sense for me to go in every day when I do double the amount of work and better work from home. But the, the point is everybody's there. So like, if you want to be involved in the company, you need to be in HQ. So it's like a give and a take. Um, what percent is, what percent is male, female in your, in your space? I would imagine super dominant male, but is it, we we have hired a hell of a lot of females over the last two years. It's so the, the the website started out, you know, back in the day when it was the Chive Bro Bible, like all these ver- guyism was literally a name of a website. It was a very male dominant area where. Like literally when I was hired. So like, I, I'm not like a frat guy. I like sports, but you know, I, I, I'm a poker guy. I, I'm a bit more on like the nerdy side. And when I was hired, I was told that I had to like write in like this, like bro kind of talk. And right. like, well, that's not really me. Like I, I like sports. I can talk about sports. I'm a very good, funny, well-written blogger. Yeah. But that was like the way the internet was back then. It's now changed to the point and and leadership at the website as well has changed to the point where we're way more open about all personality types. You know, we, we hired those caller daddy girls. We have uh, this girl, Ellie, who is phenomenal. We have chicks in the office who are megastars. They do a lot of uh, like celebrity gossip type of things, reality show type of things. Ellie does a lot of like younger millennial girl relationship types of things. Right. Uh, caller daddy does a lot of hookup culture to put it nicely type of things. Um, right. We have, we have, we have uh, Kate who is uh, ex Marine from Philly. We have, we have so many different personality types and, and so many different backgrounds, male, female, doesn't matter at all anymore. It, it's, and it's that's, been so very, so it's, 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 um, it, not inspiring, but it's been, it's been nice to see Barstool where we used to have this like misogynistic label thrown on us all the time. I think we've, we haven't completely shed it in the eyes of some people who will never allow us to shed it just because, because jokes that were made 10 years ago. And I don't know how deep we went again, that used to be able to say literally anything and nobody cared. Like you could throw around hard F's like, like on terrestrial radio. Like it was like a word that like, people used in vernacular to be edgy 
it is crazy times like the Kevin Hart situation mm -hmm. where he had to like basically from some tweet or something he put out a decade ago or some kind of thing where he had to basically bow out of the Grammys or the Oscars. Or, you know, yeah. Or Oscars. I'm sorry. Like, so it's just, it's, it's wild though on social media now and so much live content video and different things. You really have to be conscious and what you're doing and saying, because it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, people are ready to just shoot you down and, and crush well, you. Right? I, like, I'm not saying it's a bad thing that you can't throw that word around anymore. It's just the fact is you used to, be able to without people batting an eye. Of course, some people did bat an eye. It was just so, I mean, watch old episodes of The Office, the stuff that they say, which the point is to be like cringy and stuff like that. But even the stuff they say as jokes, you literally would get shot in the face if you said it now. Right. And uh, so some people still hate us for jokes we made, you know, a decade ago. But I think we've done, and I'm not, I, I wouldn't say this if it wasn't true. Like, I don't think anybody that I work with uh, still feels like anything that we might have said 10 years ago is okay. Like you can't like, just like call people sluts as a joke anymore. It's like, right. I, yeah, it's just, it might've been like, okay, 10 years ago, but I feel like yeah. weird looking back on that. I'd be like, Ooh, I wish I didn't say that, you know? Yeah. It's uh it's, it's, it's different times for sure. Tell me now a little bit. So you're, you're, you become a very, I mean, dude, you're known as Barstool Nate, you know, you kind of embody the company. Like I said, I sort of, I know you, I didn't even know your truthfully didn't know your real name, which is like, crazy. <laughs> you're like, you know, you have like a nickname almost. You're just like, yeah. everyone knows you as it's pretty cool to be, uh, you know, definitely in the poker world, you're known as well. I think you just did a, something with poker go or poker central on their podcast talking about, can you save poker? You just so bad. <laughs> I want to talk about that, but what, what, uh, how did you, how you, you mentioned how you first got, how did you get hooked up with Jake tool and how did you start the cracking aces podcast? You have over 50 episodes now, um, podcasting becoming so popular, but when did you come up with, let's do, let's cover poker first. So how did you get hooked up with, I guess, Jake and, and just sort of, uh, cause he's a, he's, you know, he's been around poker forever, very successful player. How did that, that relationship get come to light? It, I, I always I always say like the universe always finds a way. The how I got fucking connected with Jake is wild. Um we both have a mutual friend, Christian Harder, oh, who yeah. he, he knew that I was moving to New York uh mm -hmm. with the Barstool move. And I was trying to find a place in Hoboken, New Jersey, to mm -hmm. live so I could play online poker. Um excuse me, and commute to the city, obviously, for my job. Yeah. So I sent out a tweet one night, like if anybody has any leads on a place or someone who needs a roommate in Hoboken or whatever, let me know. Mm -hmm. Just so happens Jake needed a new roommate at the exact time that I was moving up here. So Christian got me in contact with Jake and I was a little hesitant because I was like, uh, it, uh, you know, I wasn't that hesitant. Once I found out, once I handed mob Jake, I was like, all right, cool. But at first I was like living with a poker player. That sounds kind of weird, right? Like he just sits at home and grinds New Jersey cash all day. What if he's actually broke? And then I looked him up. I was like, oh shit, this is Jake from like fucking millions of dollars and winnings on full tilt. Jake got it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I ended up moving in with Jake and it's so bizarre because he's so successful as a poker player and here I am, this like blogger out of nowhere, moving up to, and he just lived in this like tiny little Hoboken apartment with his dog. I was like, why don't you live in like a ginormous house? What's going on here? But he's so down to earth and he's just so normal that right. it's just what he wanted to do. It just, we just lived above a bar in Hoboken and uh, it worked out great. 
and then, then, the then yeah, yeah you started talking one day where you're like i'm thinking about doing a podcast and he's like oh that'd be cool or who kind of how did you guys collaborate on that that came much later that came after i moved out and moved into the city i just i was tired of not podcasting everybody had a podcast besides me and i was like the only thing that i feel comfortable enough podcasting about is the poker world and also it was just like i hate poker twitter so much that i was like let's just do something different than the cynical poker twitter world where everybody just yells at each other and is a dickhead let's just like pander not pander but let's i hate what's like a synonym for pander let's tap into let's do a podcast for the casual fan like i am like i'm a casual amateur poker player who every time i get on poker twitter i think poker is toxic and it's terrible let's do the opposite so and jake's like yeah that sounds fine it took some convincing because he's he's uh you know he's laid back he stays out of the spotlight he doesn't play high rollers for the thrill of it or for the publicity of it. He's not a bracelet chaser. If he wanted to win a bracelet, he could win a bracelet. He just doesn't care. You know, like he'd rather play cash, do what he's good at. He doesn't need to put, he doesn't need to be the famous Daniel Negreanu esque poker player. Uh, He could, if he wanted to, I think, I think he's an elite top 0.1% poker player, but he, he doesn't, he doesn't want to. So it took a little convincing for him to do the podcast, but it works so great because I suck at poker. He's great at poker. Um, he can break down hands that people send in. He can teach people how to get better at poker. And I can, ans- I can ask the questions that us amateurs have. And I just think it works really, really well. People, you know, you know, plus we have like all the guests on and, you know, I ask the dumb amateur questions. He asks more advanced questions and it's just like the balance. And I think it works great. That's awesome. And you, I mean, you don't really think you, you suck at poker, do you? Cause you, I'm not great. But you've been, around, you've been around a long time. You talk with Jake, you talk with other good players. You've worked on your game. Do you, do you do any kind of stuff in terms of other than talking, reviewing hands? Do you do any type of studying? You know, I, whatever. I can name off, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm associated with some coaching stuff, but there's a dozen, right? There's all these different things and tools. Do you use any of the, the poker studying stuff or just kind of? Uh, not as much as I should. So I live with Jake. For right. two is, years, I yeah. never, I never once got a coaching session from him when we lived in the same walls in a, okay. a small apartment. <laughs> never once got coaching from him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll watch a training video here and there. I, I watch streamers. I watch you. I watch Jamie. I watch uh, Somerville. I watch Lex. That's the extent, really, of the studying I do. I want to say I, I've been uh, Matt Berkey does a solve for why, and I did a couple of those seminars. I need to, so, but I, I'm not watching them live anymore. I'm waiting for them to be done so I can go back and do them on my own time. I felt doing them live. I couldn't, I, I stink at math and solve for why is very math oriented. And I was like, this is just too much math for me to be doing in a four hour seminar type lecture uh, at, you know, nine o'clock at night after a full day of working, I need to just like do it on a Saturday afternoon when I can sit down and focus. I'm also very ADD and in something like software, why, where you really have to be paying attention. You know, I, I'm also like scrolling Twitter and stuff like that. It was hard for right. me to focus. I'm sure software, why with how extensively smart Matt Berkey is, is a great resource I just need to, if you can focus, I'm not, I'm not the focus type. So uh, I'm saving those for later. So that's, uh, that's the extent of my study. And I, 
I have a good feel for the game, but there's so many spots that I end up cutting and pasting the hand histories and I've been sending them to a couple people getting their thoughts on it. Like Jake, uh, couple other people right yeah that's a great way to learn honestly if you have the access to to really t- top-notch players that's really some of the better ways and to, to kind of check you out the door right and say hey this spot was weird or i lost like was this right was it wrong what do you think and then get some other perspectives and, and it can go honestly for the people watching i think i'm an asshole for not taking more advantage of the resources that i have to my disposal uh, it, it's so stupid of me to not actively be getting way better at poker than i am like jake tells me about solvers where you literally can dissect a hand so deep down to like you have the eight of spades you know you have eight six of spades on a nine king jack two diamond one club board and then you can change the eight of spades to a diamond and it changes the entire dynamics of everything you should be doing in that hand and there's people out there working so hard on every single combination of hand and texture and, and stack sizes and all this shit. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm just going to play it. I'm there's so many people getting so much better at poker than everybody else right now, where the top players are, are widening the gap so much that you should be spending at least an hour a day getting better at poker if you want to take the game seriously and I'm not doing that. And I think I'm stupid for not doing that. Right. But you also, again, you have, it's not your main source of income. You're, you're, you're doing other stuff. Poker's, you love it. It's a very strong, I mean, it's more than a hobby, I guess, but it's also not your, doesn't pay the bills for you and you, and right. you focus on a lot of other stuff. Um, just kind of segueing over here, taking a look at the site, uh, Barstool Sports, very clean website. Nice. Where can, where can, uh, where can people go and, and find your particular, what, your blog? If you want to go just to me, we go to bloggers, four to the right. Oh, to the right. Okay. Bloggers. And then yeah. there I am somewhere. Right there. Yeah. So these are all, these are the, these are, you guys have 15. Oh, that's, there's more than that, but you have 15. These are the, we have like a zillion. Yeah. More than, okay. And then pods. What about pods? The cracking aces? No, I'm not, I'm not on that page. You just have to go to iTunes or Spotify for that. Okay. We have we've seen here, yeah, the, here here on um, the Apple Podcast, pretty sick that you guys have. Basically, when we I have this, you're number fifty five. So like we've, I don't know when did you actually start that? We started last May, and it was oh, so wow. cool. I had, the, I had the timing down so perfectly. Start it last May, go to World Series, you know, drum it up a bit, and then you have the whole off season to get good at podcasting and like to make connections, talk to guests. And then this World Series, make it ginormous, do videos, get all this awesome shit, be out there in Vegas, and now there's just no more poker. And it's like, God damn it. Like, to have a poker podcast when there's literally no poker, it's a tough sell. I'll tell you that. We we were doing two episodes a week. We've gone down to one just because there's no poker to talk about. It's like there's just... It, it, it's a it's a bad time to be a poker podcast. I don't know if you feel the same way, but there's only so much you can quarantine talk you can talk about until it kind of just like people don't really want to hear how many M and M's I've eaten, which right. is in the millions at this point. Just oh, so man. many M and M's, but uh, it's it sucks. Like you know, also Barstool got a heavy investment from Penn National, which is a casino group they own a ton of casinos so i was going to start doing meetup games and copying brad owen like to the t i was going to rip that guy off so much and do the exact thing he does 
I've right. told him this. I, I'm saying that tongue in cheek. Like right. he has such a good model for what he does that I wanted to do that as well. And um, I, I was so excited to travel around all these different casinos and do meetup games and vlog and do the World Series. I, I had this whole big plan in my head. Right. And then just coronavirus just had to take a huge shit on my face and just say, yeah. absolutely not. You're not going to do this. It, now, mind you, I was like, perfect. I'm going to start streaming. I'm going to be the best poker yeah, streamer in the Twitch. world. What's up with Twitch, man? Where, like I was just seeing here, I was searching. I know, you know, here's Barstool Sports. They got a pretty solid uh, Twitch channel going here, and you would be perfect for Twitch. Do you have a Twitch channel? Have you? Can, are you going to Twitch? Tell us about that. Let me tell you what happened. I'll, I'll yeah. tell you what happened is I start, yeah. I start my twitching. I'm playing on ACR. Don't deposit on there. Um, it's, it's not regulated. It's not safe. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm start twitching. I'm like, Twitch is great. Mind you, I haven't spoken out loud in so long because I had, I had the regular flu for two weeks and then I finally get rid of the flu and I'm ready to go back into work on Monday. And that's when we started quarantine. So I've been sitting at home doing nothing for two weeks longer than everybody else. Cause I actually had the flu. And so I, I haven't spoken out loud in so long, you know, FaceTime here and there, whatever, but I need social interaction. I'm like, fine. I'm finally going to start streaming Twitch. I'll do it. Whatever. I loved it. Great. It's fun. It's, your, it's who you are, right? You're personable. You want to, you, you want like people, you want to engage. Yeah. I loved it. I, you know, right. I'm, I'm just playing like $15 or I'm playing like the daily 55 on ACR. I'm having That's a great time. So what happened? Where are we? What's happening? I get a call from our freaking lawyer. Our lawyer goes, you're not allowed to do that anymore. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Like what? And he's like, uh, in the state of New York, it's illegal for you to be playing online poker. I was like, look, I get it's a gray area. If anybody's going to get in trouble, it's ACR for operating in the state of New York. A poker player has never gotten in trouble ever for playing online poker. Freaking Russ Hamilton stole millions of dollars. You know what he's doing? He's golfing right now. He's not yeah. in jail. Poker the, players have uh, never gotten in trouble once for playing online poker. I understand the gray area. I understand theoretically, maybe technically, however you want to look at it, the UAGO, whatever you want to call it, the Wire Act. I'm playing $15 tournaments. Yeah, it's tricky. I'm not get it's in a trouble. tricky deal. But so, so I get it, though. It makes sense. So what, all right, let me ask you this, though. With that being said, and what, where you are, you still live in Hoboken. You're in quarantine time. Jersey, uh, party poker just got officially – well, no, they've been in Jersey. Pennsylvania just passed. Michigan passed. West Virginia's passed. Things are moving in the U.S. with poker. But in Jersey, there is option for these sites. Why not go over and, and stream from Jersey? Get a place there. Go stay with a friend. Go whatever and go and fire. Is it because I guess it's not depends how long the quarantine's going to last. Quarantine, man. Yeah, it's it's yeah, that's it's just not quite worth it, right? To go. I, I, I can't. Had I in retrospect, had I known we would have a global pandemic that was going to keep me in my apartment for months on end, I yeah. would have gone to New Jersey. But I, uh, excuse me, I don't. I don't want to be not in my apartment. I don't want to pack up yeah. my life and move to what an Airbnb, pay yeah. double rent. Yeah, no, it's it's a bit. Yeah, it's the, that that's a lot. It's a kind of a. An, you're right. I guess it's also. Yeah, you said in this exact moment, if you had known or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's just and then it's probably close, right? It's not just like all right, I'm going to do all this and go and play. I, and dude, I, I I don't know at this point. Like 
and plus so like the lawyer shuts down my stream and that was deflating because i i really could have grown i thought that was such the logical what's your handle what's your twitch handle I was just doing it on Barcelona Nate, and like I just thought it was the logical next step in the progression of the Kraken Aces like brand. It's like podcast, blogs, streaming. Like that's the big three. And not being able to stream, I think it just sets me way back. Um, and not being able to vlog and and stuff like that, it's it's uh it sucks. It it, it really sucks. I really really wish I did not get shut down. And I think. I don't know. I, I don't know what my next step is. I've been trying to figure out anything I can do in that regard. Yeah. I, I don't play video games. What am I doing? Does everybody streams, you know, Call of Duty and Fortnite and, and, and Nintendo Switch. We already have all that. Uh, poker would have opened up this whole new opportunity for not just me, but I think for, for Barstool. And it just, I was told no go. Yeah. I mean, you know, listen, right place, right time stuff will come. It'll, it'll happen. I mean, if, if it's meant to be and you know, it'll, it'll work out or it'll come to New York. I mean, who knows if New York passes online poker, which I, I just can't believe, dude, I just can't believe that they that sit off. here. New York sits here right next to New Jersey, right next it's to Pennsylvania. It's not, even like Canada. it's not even like Detroit to Windsor, like over the border where you look at it, but it's actually the same country and it's in the over a river. It's, it's insane. It's we insane. see the amount of income that DraftKings makes in New Jersey. We see all the revenue that they're making from all this gambling and poker and DFS income, uh, like the, the DraftKings and, and FanDuel sports books over in Jersey, people from New York drive to Jersey to place bets. We, wh- what are they doing in New York that some lawmaker isn't like really trying his absolute hardest day in and day, day out to get this legalized in New York. It blows my mind that they oh, can't figure it out. If anything, like, I don't know. I mean, nothing's really happening, right? It's not like you, know, no. you could just go, but at the same time, it feels like if any time, you know, these casinos can't just stay dormant forever, right? They're just getting crushed. Like these mm-hmm. places are getting crushed. Like if you, maybe there was some talk at, at a moment, oh, maybe they'll like, form together, do the collab, you know, cross state lines, uh, collaborate as well as maybe push, push some stuff forward. Because, you know, now I did want to ask you as well about sports betting, sports betting legalized at a federal level, barstool sports. You see, they have a Instagram page. They're focusing. There's, there's a, there's an attention on sports betting now. And you see it. It's almost like, uh, it's the, the change now ESPN, you're watching it and they put the lines on the game, you know, like it's on the TV. It's like, Oh, the, this is the over under. They show it. They, it's like, a. It's just more of a accepted culture right. now, whereas, you know, which is crazy. It wasn't right. It's like this was in the UK, all over the world. People are betting on everything and sports and lines and whatever in the U.S. People are finding a way to bet as well. So now it's legalized at a federal level, state mm-hmm. by state. It's up to are you noticing a big shift in that? Like, is that becoming more popular? Are you guys getting you're getting more involved with that as well? The Barstool brand? Yeah, uh, the the investment from Penn definitely pushed us into the we were already gambling kind of like a gambling ish company but uh being involved heavily with a casino like company a casino in the industry definitely makes the the gambling and sports betting realm a lot bigger for barstool it was it was a bad time to get involved with them to get involved i don't know if you've seen the casino business uh the last month or so it's not a great time to be in the casino business but uh it'll rebound obviously (laughs) it's a casino people love casinos so yeah, uh, we're definitely shifting. Not so much me because we're off. So we're an authentic company. Like we don't. It, it's so it's so tacky. Like I once uh, 
betting became legal in different places, I noticed personalities that I follow on Twitter basically pretending like they're gamblers. And it you it, it's not going to work like because these these uh, I'm trying to be nice because I like these people. But so like regional people that I follow in like D.C. pretending that they're betters and gamblers. And, you know, they're betting like five dollars a game and they don't care about the money. And they were never gamblers before their bosses told them to be gamblers. It doesn't right. work. We yeah. have such authentic gamblers at Barstool who, you know, for better or for worse, are betting a lot of money on these games and getting their heart ripped out, you know, getting their heart, you know, exploding in happiness for every single game. It's so real. And that's what we do best. So we look for authentic gamblers who actually care. We don't, again, it's Barcelona. We don't care if you're sharp or not. We care about if you're real or not. We're more looking for people who are really gambling, really doing it, really, really into this thing. Yeah. Um, Tell me about It's Vegas Dave because I just see him on Instagram and his stuff's kind of like – I I prefer not to talk about him to be honest. Because I'm curious if he's like a – if that's like a real – I just don't know. I've seen him on there. I just wonder if he's – He's not involved with us. Right. I okay. So he's not – he has nothing to do – but that type of – No, no, no. We're not supposed to talk about him. All right. So next we'll cut. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. We're just not supposed to. <laughs> okay. All right. So sports is uh, and what about you for, for, uh, there, we're going to hit some Twitter questions, but what about gambling and degenerate type of stuff? Like, and, and someone asks, are you a degen? Do you like to play table games when you go to casino? Are you playing roulette, baccarat, anything? Do you sports bet here and there casually? Do you sports bet seriously? What's your, what's your, what's your action? Intake? I, I, I go in waves. I'll, I'll sports bet heavy for a while. Uh, I'll lose a bunch and then I'll take some time off and then I'll get back into it. There's always something to pull me back in whether it's March Madness or the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs or I'll just be bored and start betting. I was on a run for a while where I was betting first half West Coast NBA home favorites and I had that down to a science. It's like if the Rockets were at home and they were less than like five and a half point favorites i was just hammering like stuff like that like just taking home favorites and west coast first half nbas that was my favorite thing i ever did i ran with that for a while until i ended up betting i got drunk and i ended up betting way too much on like uh warriors kings first half under which i never bet under who bets unders especially in west coast nba games and I, i i ended up betting warriors kings first half NBA under and wiped everything out, all my winnings out and more. And that's when I decided to take a little bit of a break. Uh, Speaking of break, tell me about sports right now. Cause what, what is your, you know, what are the analysts? What is barstool sports? What are you guys predicting for? What is, honestly, I don't even know the answer. And I don't know if this is public or what the, the general consensus, what's going on with the NBA, for example, will they finish this season or is this just it? Like, are they going to come back and play the playoffs? Are they going to do it with those fans? Is there, is there a statement on this or is it sort of open-ended? So, okay. Uh, The MLB MLB yesterday came up with this plan to kidnap all their players, pull them away from their families for four and a half months, put them in Arizona have them play double headers, seven inning games where the the catchers and pitchers aren't allowed to talk during the games. Everybody has to say six. It was this whole big crazy plan to really? try to get. I didn't hear this. They're gonna try. Yeah, they announced it yesterday that, but like 
it would really it would require the players to live secluded in the desert in Arizona. They can't see their families. Like it was just it was this they have to sit six feet. The players would have to sit six feet apart in the stands and stands in the dugout. But it doesn't even take into consideration like quick plays at first base where obviously you're an inch apart, stuff like that. So I don't, every league is trying to come up with these wacky plans to try to get back. I think if one league was to get back, it would be the NBA, but it wouldn't be the way that we are used to watching basketball. I think they would just do some sort of like three on three tournament just to give fans some sort of entertainment. No fans uh, in the arena, obviously, um, one ref, you know, uh, cameras, uh, digital cameras, stuff like that, uh, or like, you know, on the yeah, wires. Like NBA jams and uh, in, in, in the NBA, you think, think that's a possibility? Yeah, I think leagues want to do something safe to give entertainment and get some sort of revenue, but I don't think, I don't think the Stanley Cup will be awarded this year in hockey. I don't, I don't think, you know, that you'll see any sort of NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs. I, I, it sucks, but I think what these leagues should be doing is focusing on starting next season on time. I, I don't – football is going to be the weird one. Right. there. I saw they were saying – I did see a little news on that because that starts in September in theory, but, you know. In theory, but, you know, mini camp, you know, they always have OTAs in May – and uh, you know f- the preseason football lasts forever. They always they have four preseason games after you know, and the camp goes forever. And you have a hundred players trying to make a fifty-four man roster. It, the I mean, it was it, it wasn't football that said we'll be back in September. It was the president who said football will be back in September. And I think football along and NFL along with every other league is more along the lines of we'll be back when it's safe to be back. You know what? I was thinking as well, though, like the NBA, let's just say this coronavirus dies down, that levels off, people decide you know, they, they want to start doing this again. It's kind of bizarre, right? Because it's not even, even if you could in one month turn it back on and say, let's finish or start the playoffs or do something or however, however we're looking at it, like any scenario, let's just take the NBA, right? It's kind of not authentic as well because it's different. What are guys that doing at home? They're training in their own gym. They're at home. They're doing, they're keeping, Dude, it's, it's not it's like they're so funny. It's not every time they're not, they're not playing this, you know, it's not really, they just like, if you put them in a month and just put the guys back in, the whole thing's different anyway. Like it's not really the flow of the season. Everyone's at a hundred percent guys mm-hmm. are, rest. you know, it's like, it's just kind of weird. It's, it's just like, it's not how the NBA works. You have to deal with injuries. You have to deal with fatigue, different things. And now it's like, all right, let's just reset. And everyone's healthy, like going in. And it like, in terms of the odds and the bets as well, it would shift everything. If you bet at the beginning of the season, a team, certain guys are older, maybe, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not really what would have happened. It's just going to be completely different anyway. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah, that's why I don't think that the NBA or NHL will officially award, like, a champion this year. They might do some sort of gimmick thing, but they're not going to actually play the playoffs in either league, in my opinion. But also, it's funny, whenever, like, an NBA player – goes on like Instagram live with another NBA player. It's like, Hey man, what are you up to? And the first thing they always say is like, you know, I work out uh, every morning and at night they always say it. Cause they know like, that, like they're not actually working out every day. They just have to say it to make it sound like they're in the gym. Like right. a lot of these guys, if they came back would be so out of shape that uh, you, think, you think it might even work the other way instead of like being rested and well, and well, oh, yeah. you think they're just like, they're, they're in all there playing video games. Every yeah. single 
athlete is just at home playing video games. I'm sure there were like most of them have like home gyms and stuff, but it, you're just it's looking not at the same. It's not the same. Yeah, you're not training not with close. the team. You're not intensive practicing and yeah. doing the right stretching and everything. You're just sort of going so through that. I, I want to be optimistic, but then again, you don't want to be the league that comes back too early. And that is every league's nightmare. Right. Is you're you come back too early, you get fans into the arena and you spark another outbreak because you know the Pelicans had to play the Hornets and now you have a whole nother outbreak because you you allowed fans to come back too soon. And that's yeah. a whole other question. When are fans gonna feel comfortable going back? How do cases have to be down to zero? Zero new cases. Right. For fans to go back into arenas. I think, well, it comes down to the testing too. When it, where are people able to test, see if they had it, if they didn't have, like, I'm pretty sure I had it. My, uh, and around early February, like, I don't even know. I didn't go to the doctor, but I, I had a lot of the symptoms, like with a really weird cough, bad fever. I was in bed for days, but it was like before even there was even talk of coronavirus, right. you know? So I don't know, maybe a bunch of us had it or it was spread in places where no one really understood or knew, or maybe I just had a regular cold, but so I don't know. I would love to know if I had it, right. It would be great to know if you, if you had it, if you can get it again and once yeah. stuff, i think that's when that type of information is readily available when people can get tested and see what's going on i mean i still know people in cities that i'm friends with they're playing poker games like live like like games with each other which it's just like crazy right like there's crazy. nothing to do worse but like it just shows that it's not like everyone's just totally taking it serious or even is like that worried about it and i, I think that's part of the problem right that's not it's like a, there's a mixture it's either people are so extreme like the world is ending stock up take everything and shit it's like the zombie apocalypse and there's guys that are like ah whatever i don't even this what is it or who cares if i get it and so it's like there's just there's not really the right like 70 percent of the way meeting right. like respect it take it serious do your couple weeks it's sort of like uh you know it's a it's it's in between and it's just not real or it's just like polar polarizing it's either you really respect it or you really don't and uh i don't know i just i just don't see a near a near path well what's your what is your prediction based on barstool your personal prediction you think that's no sports no stanley cup no nba finals nfl you think starts or they get this season in or you don't i I cannot imagine a world where people feel comfortable enough to go back to to arenas and stadiums with that many people until until like it, it's such like a weird dynamic because the league doesn't want to make the fans feel safe. The fans want to watch football. If football is playing in a, in a stadium, fans will go. Then it is it's on the league. If someone dies because they attended a football game, that is the worst publicity that you can literally get let's even take it another step what about an nfl or an nba playoff game or a game where they just the guys go show up and play like in in an empty arena like it would be so bizarre imagine playing in cowboy stadium i would watch so i would watch basketball that way and i i would watch baseball that way football would be very strange i i like i get if it's on tv i would watch it sure but even how comfortable are the players doing it i if it's they can't what not pay the players if if they don't want to do this right, if it's not right. if it's not safe. I don't. There's there's so much that goes into it and so many different factors. Uh, I I don't I don't know. I I just football starting on time is I think the focus now. Will it happen? Will it not happen? Beats me. I I think that is going to be interesting to watch. I just don't. I don't. I I'm not smart enough to say one way or the other. I think 
we, we just should have done a better job to begin with, but that's a whole nother thing that we don't have to get into that. If we just weren't idiots to begin with, uh, you know, we didn't even start taking it seriously until mid March. We knew about it December 31st. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a wild deal. It just feels like there could have been more done or more, more stuff. You know, we have some that we're in the U S the people there that with the, the USA, Trump, the administration, people like they had info, you know, a lot of the world leaders, I just feel like had they, they saw this thing happening, exponential growth, they, they could see it. And it just, just feels like it, it could have been done more sooner. You know, it, it just, I don't know. You start hearing Tom Hanks, you know, these other sports athletes start getting these things and then everyone's like, all right, like it's serious. Right. Or it's like a real deal, but it just, yeah. it does feel like it could have, uh, could have been closed off a bit earlier. I mean, I saw like the Juventus team. I remember hearing that like, there's, there's a lot of teams and clubs that many players got it. Like it's like a, a good percentage of the, the teams have it. Right. Like I know Syria in Italy, they were talking about playing their games behind closed doors. Right. And then I don't even know if they started doing that or they just stopped it completely. But yeah, I mean, it's a big deal, right? Like uh, sports betting companies and, and, you know, GBC, for example, part who owns uh, the umbrella party poker, the numbers are crazy, right? Like it's a, I mean, sports gaming, it's, it, it's sort of bizarre. Like to just, I don't think has it ever happened. Nothing like this where they're just like no sports. Not to my knowledge. Uh, world war during the world war yeah. um, stuff like that. So uh, let's, uh, Let's let's hit some questions, man, because it's very interesting. I feel like I have a much better idea about what what uh you know Nate what Barstool Nate is about and what where your your history has been. But we have some some color or some questions. Well, someone asked, "What is your favorite color?" We'll just start with that one. But we have a bunch of interesting questions here as well. Do you have a you have a favorite color? It's always nice to know what you. Mm, uh, I don't know. I like red. I like I like blue. Blue is a good color. Um, sometimes I even like yellow. Red, blue, and yellow. All right, that's that's multiple colors. You don't just have one. What is your favorite hand in poker? This is always this is always interesting to me. Not not aces. Cracking aces is your podcast. Ace is the best hand. What what is a hand that you like? Look down. And you're just like I'm playing this. I don't care. I don't know. I know it's not right. There's a three bet and a four bet. I'm I'm seeing a flop. What's your? Yo, what's I'll your... tell you this. If I open ten seven hearts and someone three bets me, I am calling that three bet one hundred percent of the time. Ten seven hearts prettiest hand in poker you're going that's your that's your other aces like you're just you're gonna you're gonna be aggressive you're gonna act like you got something whether it comes or not i get it i like it why that just you want a big pot hit a straight flush with it or just no like it. it's just so pretty this just a nice looking hand hold them or omaha do you have any omaha uh expertise uh not i i like plo i like heads up plo uh i've never played live cash plo but I, I like playing it online. I just I'm not rich enough to play it. There's it's too swingy. Uh, I enjoy it. I like I like the idea of playing it. If I hit the lottery, I'd probably play it nonstop. There's uh, more probably, skill than that, man. Come on, don't don't disregard Omaha. Omaha. I would challenge Galfond if I had the money to just heads up PLO nonstop. But unfortunately, um, being a blogger doesn't afford me that wealth. So. No, I just stick to to low and medium stakes tournaments. As an interesting question, would you let your children play for money? As in, when they're eighteen, is that something? Do you think if we haven't even gone this is this is jumping way ahead about kids or whatnot? Yeah. If you down the line have children, is that something? Would you be cool with them playing some poker, or would you encourage it, or would you just? How, how, what's your stance? Whatever, whatever the thing wants to do. I don't, I don't know. If, if, if uh, I would hope that my kid wouldn't be an idiot. And if he wanted to, he or she wanted to play poker, at least learn how to play a little bit to give yourself a fighting chance. But uh, I don't know if, if 
if they want to waste their money playing poker, what am I going to do? Say no. I literally moved to Manchester to play poker. So uh, by all means. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's true. You can't really, you can't really tell them not to try it. That's for sure. If they want to try it. Uh, do you feel online poker is dead or what's your take on, on the poker uh, scene at the moment? No, I don't think it's dead. Uh, like, as you said, and what Jake, who plays in New Jersey, has been telling me, games have never been more alive during the quarantine. Like, Jake was saying that on, you know, a typical Tuesday, he'll wake up and see what games are running in the morning. Sometimes there's a table or two worth playing uh, cash games. Sometimes there's not. He said since this whole thing has started, he has never played more poker in his life. There's always games running. He When he'll usually be four tabling, he said he's been like 10 tabling. He's, he's like 25-50 will pop off at the most random times. Um, there's just a ton of new money coming in New Jersey. Must be nice to be like literally the best New Jersey cash grinder out there, Jake. Um, if you want to buy me a Peloton, that would be great. Also, I'm in the market for a Peloton. If anybody has a Peloton plug, I would love one. But uh, that's, and a, that's a great exercise. That is a, they, their business. That'd be one of the few like Netflix and Peloton yeah. probably stocks going up for sure. On, on the unregulated site that I would not recommend people deposit money onto ACR uh, tournaments are ginormous. I, there's so much money at top. Unfortunately, it's rigged against me. So I haven't won any of those big tournaments, but uh, hopefully soon. Hopefully you'll get a, get a school. There, there are some big opportunities out there. No, no question. Um, do you prefer what, what's your favorite live room? How about, tell me about the win is the win in Boston. Have you, I'm sure have you been there? Have not been. Been. It, I've heard it's pretty nice. So have you, have you got any good, any friends? Or the encore in Boston? Yeah. Encore. Same thing. Uh, I hear it's okay. I hear, uh, they make you pay for parking. I hear that they don't have a pool, which is weird for a resort. I hear uh, there's one other bad thing I heard about it. I I don't know. I I hope they're not like a sponsor, but I, I haven't heard. I actually haven't heard great things about it, to be completely honest. Um, I like playing at National Harbor down in D.C. I like playing at um, I think the Aria is just the nicest building I've ever been in in the world. I I'm always not to get too philosophical. How do they make buildings like that? How do they make sure like how smart are engineers and architects that they can just build something like that and everything works so perfectly like plumbing and airflow and and someone has to just pick out like the tiles and and put every tile exactly where they want it. Yeah, that's fascinating. Me. Architecture and flying, right? Like, uh, like the, how that how it actually works. Like how they how they how they can put that all together. It's true. The Vegas. I mean, the casinos in Vegas are just they're they're a thing of beauty. Some of those uh, some of the things they put together. I agree. Aria is one of the that city center. That whole the whole yeah. deal together. They, they really. You know where I hate the Venetian. Fuck that place. Yeah, Sheldon Adelson is definitely not a people's favorite. He he's sort of the catalyst to stop online poker. Honestly, I think we would have it if it wasn't for him. I, I believe he donates like twenty five million a year to Trump or to his campaign, or he did. And he's a uh, he's a pretty big, um, you know, he he shuts it down. So hopefully uh, that that changes soon. Uh, what what do you feel that has been the biggest benefit though, of the the virus or? This quarantine. Has there been anything that you've just done some reflecting, learning, extra time? You know, kind of the world seems like it's FOMO. Like people always like, oh, what's going on? This person's here. That's there. This is going on. And you're just like, no, everyone's at home. Blank canvas. Everything. Thing. Is there a language you're learning? You do anything else? Is there anything you're picking up or using extra time on your hands? Um, 
No, and and I feel I feel shitty about that actually. That I'm not really using this time to better myself. Um, I'm using it to work and then play online poker. And I'm I haven't really, excuse me, I haven't really picked up any new skills or hobbies. I haven't worked out at all. Um, no, yeah, I I guess it, well, in a way, I can spin it and say like I've I've refound my love of online poker because I'm playing a lot of poker, which I is the thing that keeps me sane. Honestly, during this whole thing is being able to play online. Um, I I am so glad that I actually can play online right now because right. I'm losing my mind. If not, I would like to pivot more into eating a little healthier, making sure I work out. Uh, once a day, I have I have like a couple free weights in my apartment that are just gathering dust, like so much dust on them. Uh, what, what's your typical? What time? You said this was early for you to get out of bed. I mean, I'm I'm not a super morning person, but it's 11 a.m. Reasonable, not crazy. What, what's your? Are you like a six, seven, eight a.m. go to bed? Is it just sort of? Uh, no, 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 not that bad. Uh, since working at home, I I, I generally. I do a blog the night before, schedule it for the morning so I can sleep in a little bit because I already have work done for the morning. Um, I've been waking up at 925 and with my plan to get out of bed, drink coffee, eat breakfast, and do a normal work day as if I'm going to work. Now, that that lasted for about three days because I work so well from my bed that I just wake up, open my laptop, and I just sit in bed and blog. Uh, that some days I won't get out of bed until like two in the afternoon, like literally won't get out of bed until two in the afternoon. And I'm trying not to do that because I think it's good to have a, a healthy routine of eating and <laughs> showering at a reasonable time. Like, yeah. like I'll be taking like 2 a.m. showers and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I, I, I basically, I go to bed at two. I wake up around nine. I wake up before my alarm a lot also. Just kind of get up naturally, yeah. And that that what is uh what? Tell me about blogging because I'm more from the school of um, video now, right? Like I party poker want us to do blogs, and Jamie Staples and I were kind of just like, look, we mm. do Twitch. We're, we're video guys. We can do video stuff and put out short clips and do stuff. It's just like more our style. I don't have like a great writing background. Haven't written a ton. But for someone who blogs, which is it's an art form, it's you're, you've been doing it for so long. You know, you're great at it, you have great blogs. Tell me a little bit, like what goes into a blog? Like you get an idea. Tell how long does it actually take for you to like? Wh- what's your average time? Would you say on a blog? Like when you do something, it, and how it, long? It depends. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm an old school blogger, and what I mean by that is back when I was hired, um, we were doing about ten blogs a day from our apartment. All the guys were doing about ten blogs a day from our. Oh, this is you, models in quarantine. I saw us on the homepage. That is well. That is a that is episode twenty of models that's, in quarantine. That's that's, that's a very uh, that's a way to blog. <laughs> this is just a blog where every day I post another model. Great idea for me. That's, um, that was did so, you come up with that? Did I come up with it? Yeah, <laughs> it, it was this or explaining Middle Eastern politics, and I, I landed on this one instead. Oh wow! This is yeah, this is fascinating, interesting. The, the ma- I see the masks are starting to come now, right? This is what's there's. I saw a couple mask quarantine. Yeah. There. So all right, so that's one of your. But you, yeah. So when you come up with the idea, like give me like a one of these articles. How long? Just give me, talk me through like what you come up with the idea. You get the pictures. You get a little do a little oh, research. Basically, all right. So I my job basically is scroll the internet, find something that I'm interested in, and write about it. Make jokes about it. Whatever sports, comedy. Otherwise, whatever. I can blog about anything I want. So um, 
Wow, that's a racy right. title. You just, I mean, this this is just so this is powerful, man. These companies out there got to be careful, right? You look at this. Like, I, I'm not, I wouldn't go to this place. That's, that's no, 24 Hour Fitness is a piece of shit company. Um, but basically, I scroll the internet. I look for something inter- I'm interested in, and then I, you know, I type something up about it. I used to do 10 blogs a day back in the day, like when we started. Yeah, that was a ton. Um, generally, there it's just. It, it, I see something, and it, if something strikes me, I blog it. If it if nothing comes to me, I move on. Um, whether it be like a funny video, something in sports, um, I don't know, celebrity gossip stuff, right. pretty much anything. What's your favorite stuff to write about? What's your favorite? The best stuff to write about is the stuff that takes more time. The stuff that you actually care about. Something either a, a story or something that happened to you that you like something funny that happened to you in your life or uh, just something you're passionate about, something that you actually have a real opinion about. Like right. I can put up a blog about uh, like a model like that or put up a blog about something, some celebrity gossip. Uh, so-and-so is now dating so-and-so and, you know, those will take five to 10 minutes, you know, uh, put up the thumbnail, uh, type a few sentences, something funny, you know, whatever jokes come to my head, hit publish, good blog, not going to change the world. You know, it, it, right. it's, this is something that happened. This is my opinion on it off into the world. It goes, don't ever think about it again. The ones that, uh, I spend more time on are personal blogs about the real world and life and, um, if, if I get, I'm trying to just think of an example. Um, I, I've written, I've written longer blogs about, you know, how I think, uh, colleges, uh, the whole college loan system and colleges are, are scamming a lot of kids and, and stuff like that. I've gotten in depth about that. I've also written a blog about how I was taking a poop and Creed from the office walked in on me. And I did an equally long blog about that. Right. That's, that's, uh, how, yeah, that, I'm, that's actually, that's pretty traumatic. No, it was fantastic. Uh, you telling me that Creed from The Office is walking in on you pooping? You're not excited? It's it one of the best moments in your life. Depends what part of the, everything was going on there. But yeah, I wasn't I'm going to have to read that one. I'm, I, I love the organization. I love the direction. I love Barstool. I love the whole thing about it. I love that it's become, you know, from you said, the, what's it called? Milford Tough? Or yeah, and Milton. Milton. Uh, Milton. Also, also, I'm I'm writing long blogs now about the whole Mike Possible situation. Oh, um, that's been Great pretty. I, what's going on? Give, just give me like a real quick. Uh, give me like current. I, I actually talked to. Um, I had Mal- Mike the Mouth on. He was on Possible went on his show. Yeah, and he, you know, we actually was my longest one ever. He just, you know, his name is Mike the Mouth. He went on, kind of gave me an update on what was happening a bit. But it's kind of that's like that. It's crazy that it was like the focus of the poker world. Joey Ingram lost his mind doing the investment. Joey legit went crazy. Yeah, he lost, and it, it is because it's a crazy situation. But then it just kind of like dies off, and like no one even knows or heard about it, or like what's happening. Is he going to have to face the the uh, the choir or not? You know, like I, I don't know what's going on. Like he, it, it's a long process. Of course, is now it, it's uh, all in purgatory right now because of the current situation. I, I think something will eventually happen. Uh, I, I, these lawyers seem like they want to get him. They, they seem that, and uh, it just seems like these poker players have money that they can put money towards bringing him down. Right. I think I, you know, I'm not a lawyer. I, I think eventually he'll just end up being declaring bankruptcy and not having to pay a dime. 
but yeah. I hope his life gets ruined between now and then. I, as far as I know, he's just been hiding in his house. Like he doesn't go into public. He's, uh, he's, he did not steal enough money to, <laughs> to, for the ends to justify the means like 250 K is great, but that, how long does that pay for lawyers? Like a month? He's, right. he's going to get, I, I hope he gets hit pretty hard. I hope he loses. Well, it sounds everything. like your, your stance on where he's, what he is guilty or not. I guess that's a problem. Like in the U S you know, these things are, it's uh innocent until proven guilty, but it doesn't look good for him based on the, yeah, I, I, I'm not even going to like try to like sugarcoat it like that. Like he's just obviously guilty. That's just using like your eyeballs and logic and just, right. you know, well, I mean, I honestly, what, what bothered me was I saw a few of these hands and you even heard the commentators like, oh, is he God? This guy is like the great. And it's like, really, if I watched one stream with him, I would have been like, what do you mean? He's folding two pair on like a King eight, six deuce with like two pair on a dry board. Like he's just getting away or just calling and then check folding like on a, you know, just shit like the hands that are make zero sense. I mean, the only thing that I had to look at was the one graph, the scatter chart of everybody's standard deviation of winnings is right here. And he was all the way up there. And the guy who did the math or whatever, he was like, it's literally one in a trillion chance that this could ever happen. And then add in the fact that he's literally staring down at his phone and he's winning every session on stream where the cards are being shown that it's without a doubt, a hundred percent that he cheated. Yeah, ninety nine point nine 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 nine. No, it's a hundred. It's it, yeah, I get it. It's 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 embarrassing too. And you know what the problem is though with this? What I see is the issue too is why it sucks is like you're basically going to a court, right? Let's just say this trial takes place, and now for us poker players that are passionate about the game, know how how beautiful a game it is and, and how much we love it. We're basically doing the opposite, right? We're generally trying to say it's a skill game. You know, it, there isn't a lot of luck. Like you can really control the outcome and be whatever. And now we're going to a court and saying, look, this is impossible. This guy doesn't lose. He's doing the impossible and he's just winning every pot. It's a fucking joke. And we start getting, you get upset. It's kind of like, it's just like, it's a little bit tricky because obviously it's different, right? It's so you know wild. Why people think like, he's going to win in court is because a jury of our peers won't be able to look at the math and understand why what he's doing is impossible because the way they're, way the possible side is framing their argument is some people win and some people lose and people who lose get mad when they lose. So the only reason he's being sued is because he won and they lost. And that's the way that they're framing it. Yeah. I mean, it's- did you see, Oh, so did you see the, how it ties into pot ripper to Russ Hamilton? I did. So I saw a, a gentleman and he, I saw a, I did catch and I went and actually read the thread about the game show back mm-hmm. in the day, how Russ Hamilton had showed like apostle on this game show and how he got selected or whatever, something I, I didn't, I didn't, I forget exactly, but I did see so there was a correlation. Here's the thing. And this is crazy to me. And I think there's more to it than meets the eye. They had this blackjack show that was going to be on like CBS Sports or whatever, and they were going to have online qualifiers. They couldn't do the online qualifiers because uh, poker was shut down in the United States. So they had the producers of the show just pick like a friend to be the online qualifiers. Russ Hamilton was one of the producers of the show, and he picks his friend Mike Possel. Now, how does that all tie into the cheating thing is – Obviously, Russ Hamilton was the pot ripper, the guy who cheated for millions of dollars on Ultimate Bet. While the whole Mike Possel cheating scandal was going on, the people who defended him said 
Apostle was one of the biggest winners on Ultimate Bet. No shit. And he just happens to be friends with the guy who cheated on Ultimate Bet. But now Mike Apostle's playing 1-2 and 2-5 cash games? Oh, hmm. Yeah, that's a bit cool. That's a bit a bit another another thing that doesn't bode well for him. Um, that's interesting. I'm going I didn't even, put it I didn't on the record, Jeff. He cheated on Ultimate Bet. Wow, I, that's that's pretty. That is uh, that's crazy. That's a little over the top. If you really, if that's the fact that he was playing then and and was one of the biggest winners then and and that whole thing. That's I didn't even I didn't get that part of it. I didn't realize he was actually playing poker. People said he was one of the biggest winners on Ultimate Bet, but. Now he can't even beat one, two, or two, five. Like, and but his also his best friend is the guy who had the software to cheat on Ultimate Bet. I need these old Ultimate Bet guys to now go back into their hand histories if they even can and start like dissecting those hands and trying to figure out if they were cheated by him. I don't even know if that's possible at this point to get those hand histories, but I think there's definitely something to that. Yeah, I've heard this guy, Russ Hamilton, lives in Florida and plays at like the aisle. And he just like people always go up to him and like you're a scumbag and say shit. He's still just like playing there and doesn't care. Uh, actually, I forget. I don't even know. What, I don't even really know what that guy, what he looks like. Doesn't he have a band? Didn't they cover his banner or did they take it they down? They took it down. Didn't, was it covered for a bit or no? I think I, 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 you might be right. I know it was down the last time I was there. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to see what he looks like. He's just a fat guy. Yeah. Just looks yeah. like every fat poker player. I don't. Oh, he's uh, yeah. So he's an older gentleman now. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, I yeah, crazy stuff, man. Listen, poker, great game. It is. I I would. I don't know. It sucks when we hear these things, right? That get the most attention instead of uh, no. the better stories. But it, it's one of those, just one of those situations. Give me, give me. Uh, wanted to go ahead and do this giveaway here and wind it down. But I want to know what to you. Why do you think you love poker so much, and how do you feel that it uh, it correlates? to you know real life everyday life what what is do you think are you so fascinated your love of the game i i so what i get so frustrated about especially on twitter is the lack of logic in the world people don't think logically they don't use reason to make decisions it, it it's I, I get so angry that people reject Logic, reason, science, math when making decisions. When if people could just learn that kind of thing, we would be much better off. Like people just if you want to tie it back to coronavirus, like you can just look at numbers and stats and say, hey, this is bad. But you will have people who will scream until the day they die. No worse than the flu. This is overblown. This and that. And it's like. But, but but how can you argue just science and, and logic and reason and stuff like that? So I get so mad that you people don't work in logic. But so how that ties to poker for me is you can make logic-based decisions in poker and punish the people who don't. It's like you can right. – uh, you can – now use your brain in a against people who don't have a brain and financially help yourself. And I love knowing that you can just outwit people and outsmart people and outthink people and improve your, you know, basic, poker is a game of money. You, you make money by being better than people, other people. And yeah. I love that. And to go back to the very beginning of the episode, that's why I always feel like such an asshole for not working on my game more. Cause I know there's so much of that money out there that, could be one and the people who are working harder are making more of that money or winning more of that money 
And I know if I worked harder, I could make more of that money. And so I feel stupid that I'm kind of like donating sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm buying into these tournaments when I haven't worked on my game enough, where if I just put in a little more time, I would be more likely to, to make more money. And, but, uh, I, and also, uh, you know, so like, that's why I like poker. I like, and I like the competition. I like, that's why I like tournaments. I, I like knowing that there's a first place prize. You want right. to win a tournament. Well, yeah, it's nice, it's nice to have a, a barometer, right? It's nice to know like, all right, everyone's on equal playing field here. We get this many chips. This is how it works and see who finishes where. Whereas a cash game is just kind of like, all right, reload, reload, win, 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 whatever. And it's, it's not really, uh, you know, it's a bit different. I, I see Ghost of M. The legend is here. The man, the myth. He's on every Twitch stream. If you know Twitch, he's he's my main moderator as well. He just said that in the live chat, Mike Castle also claimed that he lost tons. Heads up to Russ Hamilton on UB dis, despite winning overall. So this version of the story does not coincide with the things he I said. Would, I would like to retort. Uh, I don't know when we started believing whatever Mike Postle and Russ Hamilton said. So right. I'm going to choose to believe what I want because I find I could, I, I could form an opinion out of thin air based on nothing. And it's as credible as anything either of them say. So I'm going to go with my version. Yeah. I mean, that that's fair too, right? Like we said, if we could go, if we could go back and get all the look at his, his graphs and his things. Yeah, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Like, sure. But I, yeah. I would, I, I can't imagine a world where, uh, Mike Postle is called the biggest, one of the biggest winners on ultimate bet. He's best friends with Russ Hamilton. Uh, and he, he, he's cheated in live poker. And yeah, the fact it's the biggest live and online scandal. And, the, and then Hamilton's tied in both or in that one. And then, and, and knows him it's um, um, yeah. And basically goes to saying, he's not saying you're wrong. He's just saying that's, that's like what he said, not, yeah, 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 yeah. Body, but he did reference it. It's even like more, it's kind of more fishy and more what you know. He's like the fact. He, I think he's just digging himself a hole too. When he starts tying himself and saying, "Oh, I played Russ. I knew you know, like you're battling your friend. You're playing him at high stakes, and like and it doesn't doesn't make any sense anyway. Like the whole thing doesn't make sense. But right, like it's it's almost as he imagine they're friends. He picks him for the show, and now you're actually battling the guy who you're friends with at high stakes. Maybe one of the only guys who's like who's obviously crushing because he was cheating. And he won everything. And that's the guy you're going to battle when you're beating everybody else. So I don't. There's weird. It's weird. The whole, the, it's weird. <laughs> it's a weird deal, man. I wish, uh, I still don't get how Russ didn't go to jail or what happened or if he had to forfeit, whatever. I, I still don't even understand that story exactly. I know. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Nate, I must say this has been, this has been Wait, a pleasure. Don't you have to do a giveaway? We're doing it, of course. That's why we're segueing to it. I'm saying we're going to go ahead. We're going to do the $55 retweet. $55 ticket, which is pretty nice. Good shot to parlay it uh, up. And we are going to do a the retweet right now. We'll let uh, Nate go ahead and tell us when to do hey, wait, it. Wait, wait. Before we do that, can I ask you one question? Sure. So um, I, I'm in, I'm in uh, the midst of a, a Twitter war going on in my mentions between anti-billionaires and pro billionaires because I I was I said that I thought it was a good thing that Bill Gates donated fifty million dollars and people were like oh why don't you just go lick Bill Gates's boots you you Bill Gates isn't gonna fuck you dude like you bill, billionaires don't need your protection and I'm like no no that's not what I'm doing I'm just saying like I think it's kind of good that that he donated money um am, do, do you think I'm wrong about that <laughs> what's your opinion on that. Uh, well, let me see. Let me just take a look at the the tweet specifically. I know this is totally off base, but like, I, I'm getting a mention every thirty seconds. 
because my my entire opinion is it's better to donate money than not donate money. Where was it? Uh, which was it recently? I'm I'm trying to see. It, the so that one that one right there with the two tweets under the this. Uh, you know whatever. Let's do the giveaway. No, yeah. but I, I, no. I mean, I I this is the this is the Joey Ingram. Maybe was it what he was talking about? Because he said something about that. I want to become a billionaire so I can like donate and get rid. The new thing is to shame billionaires for not donating as much money as you think they should donate. Right. And then it's just to shame billionaires for being billionaires. And I can almost like understand the argument that people find billionaires to be immoral or whatever, but it's like Bill Gates has also given away like $50 billion of his fortune. So I think when he does good things like, like cure malaria that we shouldn't hate him for, Uh, you know, putting a computer inside of every home and classroom also. So I don't know. I <laughs> no, I'm a Bill Gates advocate fan. And, and I, I think it's, you know, actually, if you really dive deep into that a lot, like what he does and some several people do in the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation, how much he's actually given and pledged and how they're doing it. It's uh, it's powerful. And I think that, no, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to play. Yeah. At that level, it's like, you could always do more, right? You could always, everyone could do more. Me and you could give, right. you could give and live just the same my, way. My favorite, my favorite thing is like, well, that's like uh, me donating 30 cents. I was like, to be fair, him dating 50, him donating $50 million is just not the same thing as you do, donating 30 cents. It's, it, it's just not like I percentage wise, I understand what you're saying, but I think they would be a lot happier with $50 million than 30 cents. And I think a lot more people's lives are going to be saved for with $50 million than 30 cents. Yeah, that is, that is, it's interesting. I agree. I'm on your side. Uh, completely. I, I, I've been reading a ton about it because it's just been all my mentions for the last like 15 hours. And so I'm seeing both sides of the argument, but uh, I, I think in general, giving money to cure cancer is better than not giving money to cure cancer. I'm with you on that. I, I, don't, I don't even really see where the argument is. Honestly, it's a, it's pretty clear cut to me, but then again, some people just think differently and, and, you know, there's different levels of intelligence and understanding out there and, and uh, rationale. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta remember everyone is uh, trying their best. Let's just yeah. put it that way. And, and hopefully, hopefully we're, we get to a point where we can donate and let get ridiculed, right? Donate. Yeah, no, that's no problem. So, all right, guys, well, let's do this. You tell me when someone's going to win this $55 ticket from party poker, courtesy of the podcast and barstool Nate. So Nate, you tell me when, and we're going to go ahead and roll it. Uh, when, when is been called and when is now and we're loading it. And look at this, Lucas, this guy may have a cheat code. I believe he's won multiple Giveaways. Hey. He's one. I'm always skeptical of people that win a giveaway. Um, Let's do it again, then. You want to do another one? Hold on. Maybe I didn't. Oh no, he did. See, the ticket's already been credited. He might have won more than one. Let me let this thing load up. I'm gonna have to start banning multiple. It should uh, be first-time winners. Yeah, but you know, it's good to get the overall support. I guess. I guess maybe. I maybe that's the way to do it. Uh, let me see. Let me just. We might have to do one more because I, I just can't. Here, here. Let's, let's, give, let's give let's give Lucas one and somebody else one. All right, let's uh, let's see if we can even run it twice again. I don't know if they let you do this twice. I think they do. All right, let's do another one. Um, we'll try it again. Tell me when. And now. I guess you can't. No, see, look, it's not. Oh, another winner. Wait, tweet it. Another winner. Fuck. I'm gonna do another one. I'm gonna do another one. I think it's weird. This thing. I don't know if there's a better one to do. Here, just scroll, just scroll your timeline, and I'll pick. I'll point to someone. 
Okay. That's even, that's unique. And, and why not? We can do whatever we want. Sometimes I forget that, right? It's our, our podcast. What we did today. All right. I got one. All right. When? It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, T turb turbond. You see him on the page here T-R-P at turbond online or offline. Um, nope. Right there. Nope. Down right there. Right here. Okay. T turbond. All right. We're going to message him and he's going to win. That's, that's nice. I like that. But this also Lucas too. He has to win too. Yep. This God guy. You guys have already won. That's <laughs> a triple winner. Sorry. <laughs> we tried. We did try. I think there's a hack. I mean, right? At some point, like maybe guys are, are beating the system on the on the hack. I'm not sure, but um, either way, Nate, it's a pleasure, man. Again, guys, check out check out the podcast if you want to tell people what to do. Let them give them a little little quick plug here at the end. So you got your Instagram cracking aces on different outlets for podcasts over 50 so far we had, we were on there as well with you that was a lot of fun with jake and yourself um barstool sports you can go there and go to blog or uh, bloggers and click on nate he's got look at that i mean look at that thumbnail i mean guys i'm gonna i'm gonna check this out as soon as the show's over and and uh twitter where else can they find you is that twitter instagram your blog anything else you want to you want to mention yeah no i mean uh i'm just doing the podcast and uh blogging and eating m&ms that's my life now that's the deal, man. I love it. Well, listen, bro, stay safe, stay, stay social distancing, do your thing. Keep yeah. crushing the blog, keep bringing passion, energy to poker and everything you do. Uh, I, I've only, I think we've only met, you know, very briefly, but I, I always enjoy your, uh, what you do. I, I follow your stuff and follow oh, on social media. So quick question for you. Yeah. Um, say they decide to run WSOP. Would you play like the, and run it on a online one or live? No, no, live. No, I wasn't. I, I'm. I mean, not now. If like things all died off and I find out I had the virus, like I think that's you know that should be like a requisite. You should have to have had it to play <laughs> something, right? Like they screen you, and if you can show it's just you and Doc Sands. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people that have had it. Actually, I think I think you'd be surprised. Um, but I don't know, man, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird, tough situation. It's really hard to, to speak on it too much. Right. We're kind of, we're, we're not really, we don't really know what we're talking about. We just read stuff here a little yep. bit and you know, it's hard to really know. It's also, uh, yeah, we're learning more every day and hopefully this thing passes through and you know, I'm hearing crazy stuff. Like we're going to be wearing masks for a long time, wh- whether you had it or not. And just like, it's, I think things are going to be really different. And overall, I mean, it's just like you said, sports aren't just going to like turn on and the yeah, stadiums no. are going to sell out. The whole ecosystem's gotten messed up a bit and and out of whack. And, and yeah, I mean, even walking down the street in New York, it's just eerie. It's just it's everybody is so afraid. It's there's you can just sense the fear, and it sucks. And it's just like when we're given the all clear and bars reopen, are people gonna like just jump right back in as if nothing's happening? I don't know. It the whole thing is it's freaky. It's the the thing that that kills me is. Like I'm fine during the day, like I just work or do whatever. It's at night when I just think like this could be me in July. I could still be stuck inside months from now. It's like it's more likely than not. I think honestly, I think uh, I mean, again, I'm not even for me. My personal world doesn't affect that much day to day. If anything, it's more busy. Like there's apps, games going, playing, streaming a lot. I'm on, you know, doing the party stuff. Like I'm, I'm very busy. So in terms of like, I'm not really in the watching the news. I'm not like catching every little taste of it. I get like WhatsApp threads or, you know, I see what's going on. I'm listening. I hear, but 
from the smartest people I know, like they, I have my friends saying they won't put their kids back in school till January, no matter what, whatever happens. I got other people saying, you know, this is uh, and through probably till June, July, there'll be no way that anything's going to be whatever. And then also I'm being told that Trump and the, the uh, staff are, are saying that the, the masks are so important right now. They need to get them to the medical experts and the professionals. Right. Cause if that, if, if they get sick and that collapses, we're all, it's pretty F like the whole thing. So, but once they get the, the ample masks and once the, the people are taken care of and all this gets situated, they're basically going to tell people you need to wear masks. Like you need to wear masks for the foreseeable future. It's like, that's what's going to happen. So it's like, they're telling you, Oh, wear a cloth. You know why it's called KN95 and N95? You know why it's called that? I don't because it's 95%. Oh. It, it, it prevents the like b- things to come into you. But when you put a cloth on your face or you, you put a little <laughs> thing on, it's like, you know, 0.95 you're, right. you're helping. So it's like, that's what KN95 stands for. That's what N95 is. It's 95% effective. Then you go down to the D, you know, the, the, the next level of mass and it's like one or 2% less. And, and all these companies in place are like, Oh, we want N95s. Well, they don't want to pay for them. It's like six, seven, $8 a mask. Yeah. You know, the KN95s, they get them out the door from China around $3. Um, and, and, you know, it's just, it's a serious deal and people there need to be, it's like, it's, it's transmissible through air by 70% or something. So when you're in grocery stores, you're in airports, you're in sports, you're, you're in close contact with people, you are going to get that if you haven't had it or whatever. So it's like, that's the, that's the reality. And is it going to kill you? Probably not. But if you're older, if you're sick, if you have respiratory issues, it's a big deal. And if you get it and then you see your grandma yep. or your parents, you can really do some serious problems. So that's, that's where we're at. That's the reality of it um, at the very basic level. So I, I think that's, uh, it's important to remember you can do a lot of good by just sort of staying put and relaxing and yep. trying to, and then, you know, let's hopefully blow through this and, and get the world back to normal. But in the meantime, things are not normal and uh, you kind of got to embrace it, accept it and, and be mentally prepared for that. So Amen, brother, cheers, bro. Well, I appreciate it guys. Again, give them a follow Barstool Nate across the platform, Barstool Sports. And I appreciate it. We'll see you on the tables. Good luck on your poker grind. And uh, yeah, man, hope to cross paths soon and, and uh, hopefully, you know, World Series uh, 2021. Yeah, 2021, right. I'll see you there. Yes, that's the answer. So cheers, bro. Thanks Keep for having there. me. Yeah, see awesome. Thanks, guys. Again, give them a follow. Appreciate it. Podcast number 55 in the books. We'll see you guys soon. And, and uh, again, it's out on all the audio platforms. Enjoy it. Thanks, Nate. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to partypoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.